not your friend. You don't go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Take the running backs to the stands, run up in the stands and slap their mama. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. It is showtime, baby. Here we go. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, Pitches it, it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, glad to have you with us. Go back to the website, listen to Tim Brando in that segment. You, For all of your musical history, your knowledge, your 70s on 7, and a whole lot more. Oh, yeah, we got a little college football in there to talk about as well, too. All right, don't forget, we'll be at the Westgate on Friday. Come on out, see the show live. Always a good time. Best bets and a whole lot more at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Marco D'Angelo joins me each and every Friday, and guess what? He's joined us here today to recap a very busy, hectic, crazy, and maybe even an angry weekend. What's up, Marco? Uh, where do you want me to start, TC? <laughs> I'll tell you what, i was been talking a lot for the first hour, so I would just love it for you to go wail away, brother. How's that? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I wish we could do a live poll because I want to know who the public thinks is the dumber coach in the NFL, Kevin Stefanski or Brandon Staley. I'll tell you what, it's a photo finish after what I saw yesterday in that game. I don't know if you saw the game or not, TC, but, you know, we do our three best bets and everything, uh, you know, from the Westgate on Friday. And, you know, I had Cleveland. Depending on your line and when you got it, you know, two and a halfs were available for most of the week. It went down to two yesterday. But for God's sake, Kevin Stefanski, third quarter, 8.55 left in the game. It's a three-point game. You're down three. It's fourth and one. And I know the math guys say you go for it. You go for it. Not on your own 34-yard line. Okay? Not on your own 34-yard line. He goes for it. Just hands the Chargers a field goal at a minimum. Fortunately, that's all they got was the field goal. But then, if you thought that was bad, (laughs) fourth quarter... You've got the Chargers leading 30-28. to 28. There's a minute 14 left in the game. The Browns have no timeouts left. They've burned them all trying to get one last attempt because, oh, yeah, what happened? You've got the best running backs in the game in, you know, Chubb and Hunt. You let Jacoby Brissett throw the ball inside the 10-yard line, and he throws an interception in the end zone when he could have actually walked it in. But that's another story. He goes for it on fourth and one at his own 46 with 114 left. And he doesn't make it and gives the Charger, or gives the Browns another chance. And what do they do? They get a first down. They're 
52, 53-yard field goal? No, they throw the football three times the next three plays, all incomplete passes, and try the 53-yard field goal and miss for the second time in the game, and the game ends 30-28. to 28. Who's, who's the dumber coach, buddy? Uh, that would be a push, okay? <laughs> that would be a push. And, no, you're right. So, in full disclosure, and, again, I think a lot of people know this, I didn't get to see much football this weekend because I was on the road. I was doing, you know, my event in in Sacramento on Saturday and Sunday, and so and I still have not gotten a chance to see the highlights from this game. So I was trying to play catch up when I got home late last night and then early today, and then so I saw the score. And actually, when I was driving around yesterday going to the event, uh, I w- I heard a little bit of this game on the radio and it seemed like okay it was kind of back and forth back and forth and there was like you said just a, a lot of you know mismanagement by by coaches here so but I did not get a chance to to see or hear the fourth quarter but no the way you're describing it it it, it sounds just downright ludicrous like you said the Chargers are leading by two with 114 to go and it's and I think you said fourth and one I heard it was like fourth and two or even fourth fourth and two and a half Marco at the four at their own 46 like you say and of course Brandon Staley goes for it again because we've seen him do this over and over again and Justin Herbert goes back uh to pass and the pass falls incomplete now on third down it's what third and, and three and Austin Eckler runs the ball and he gets two so here's where my problem is. And again, this Hammenager has made me sick so many times since he's been a head coach in the league going back to last year, and he continues to embarrass himself and cost his team's games. And again, it cost him last year. It cost him at least, what, two or three victories last year. And he's back at it again. And he stands up at the podium afterwards, and he's trying to defend his decision-making here, and you can't. And when he's explaining it to the media, he's even got the sequence of stuff wrong. Talking about, oh, you know, Mike Williams, this and that, da da da. And we thought that, you know, we, we're, we're going to have him open because, you know, we hit him earlier and this and that. Well, listen, it just goes to show me that he was not thinking four down territory during this. Good coaches, they are thinking two or three plays ahead of time. So if you're thinking that it's four down territory, then you're going to run the ball basically on first down, second down, and third down. You're not going to throw it in first and second and then you know run it on third if you're thinking about you're going for it on fourth. Then you, you, you run it on second and third and fourth. If you want to make one pass play, that's cool. Okay, Maybe the second down play is a, is a pass play. Run it on third and run it again on fourth. So it just goes to show me that he's not planning this thing out and he's flying by the seat of his pants and has zero idea what he's doing. I agree 100%. And my problem, TC, is you get the math guys that try to come in and say, oh, you know, the percentage show that the, the this is a, a winning play long term. The problem is, is you're taking long term where you're taking the whole – entirety of a game you know it comes up in the in the second quarter and you're at midfield and you go on fourth and two yeah that's a higher probability it's not whenever the game's on the line in the fourth quarter you know when everybody's you know jamming the line because the game's on the line you you've got to know the ebb and flow of a game stop making these stupid decisions guys 
So quit listening to the the math guys. I, it just drives me nuts. No, okay. I mean, you. I'm I'm gonna lose it here because you opened up just a a huge vault for me, and I am sick and tired of hearing the term analytics when it comes to football. Okay, you want to use that in baseball? Okay, I'll buy that to a certain degree. But here we go, Marco. It's this cross-sport thing again where they think, oh, this applies to this sport, and it doesn't. Analytics is numbers, right? Analytics is stats. And if you want to make the case in baseball, okay, here's where your analytics come from, okay? It's probability based on what a pitcher does against another hitter or what a pitcher does, a left-handed pitcher, against left-handed hitting or vice versa, those type of things. That's where the analytics come into play. Okay, this guy, he gets into this pitch count of, of 90 or 95-plus or whatever. Okay, now hitters are hitting you know 330 against him after that. Those are analytics. Please tell me what the hell analytics has to do with football. Well, what are you telling me? Okay, well, see, uh, teams uh, make it on on fourth and one. What seventy two percent of the time? That's garbage. You can't you can't say that because it's different. It's different. Pass plays, running plays, opponents, who your quarterback is, who your coach is, who the defense is, what alignment are they in defensively? You know, I mean, all of that analytics in football, show me where that adds up. I don't see it anywhere. So for these idiots to say, well, the numbers and the analytics say that you should go for it on fourth down. No, you you know what? You know what it says? It says your gut feel. If you feel like you're ramming it down their throat, yeah, you go for it and you close the deal. To hear Brandon Stately say, I wanted the ball in our hands at the end of the game. Well, you should have lost the game. But again, if if you don't have the right play call and then there's this thing called execution on top of it, and they had none of that on that fourth down pass play with Herbert. No. And, uh, you know, it worked out for me, uh, you know, because, you know, got the, got the game home by the half. But Cleveland should have won the game because yeah. of their miscues early, you know, earlier in, in Jacoby Percet. Why do you get inside the 15-yard line and you've got the two best running backs, you know, tandem in the league, and you've been moving the ball on the ground the entire game. You got over 200 yards uh, on the ground, and you put the ball in Jacoby Brissett's hands. Why? Please explain that to me. I, I, it just drives me nuts. I, I, and he did it the week before too. This is this is not a one-off. They they cost themselves the Atlanta game when they were in field goal range, and then he got sacked, and then they had to go for it because they were out of field goal range, and he throws the interception. It's two weeks in a row, the same stuff from the same coaches. You know what makes me sick about this is is I wanted Jacoby Brissett to play well because now – Oh, Deshaun Watson is back in in uh, the facility today. Now he really can't work out with us. You know, he's not eligible to come back just yet, but he's in the facility. I don't want to hear about Deshaun Watson. I wanted Brissett to play well, so they had a tough decision like, hey, what are we going to do after eight weeks? Are we going to bring Deshaun Watson in? Then you have all of this scrutiny with the people who really don't want him there anyway, and then you got the locker room factor and this and that. I mean, now they're going to welcome Deshaun Watson in with open arms, which really they shouldn't be doing, A, because of, of, of the numbskull that he is, you know, with his you know massages, I mean, all that nonsense, and the fact that he's stealing money, you know, from this Cleveland Browns organization who's paying this guy a ton of money. I mean, more than just about any other quarterback for 
for doing absolutely nothing into this point in time in his career, and plus he's a bonehead. So now we're going to have to hear about this. Well, two things. One for Cleveland, they've had like the last 20 years they've been paying quarterbacks for doing nothing. So that's nothing new. Good point. Uh, and they paid a but lot not of this, But not this amount of yeah. money, though. Yeah. And uh, tough decisions. That's a great segue, uh, TC. What's the Cowboys do now? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, the old school adage is you don't lose your job because of an injury. I mean, that's the old school, you know, mindset. Do you do you ride with you know Cooper Rush till till this team loses? I know Marco that again you're not that much of an old school uh, music guy, but uh, our last guest Tim Brando was. I could have saved this for him, but but you brought it up and it, and it just hit me as I was driving to the airport last night in Sacramento. I heard this song on '70s on Seven, I believe it was, uh, or maybe it was the 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 Soul Town Channel. I don't know, but Tower of Power's great hit. You don't change horses in the middle of a stream. However, I do change horses because if anybody thinks that Cooper Rush, a guy who throws for 102 yards yesterday on dink and dunk Charlie passes, he was 10 for 16, and hear Jerry Jones say, remember weeks ago, oh, yeah, I, I welcome an open competition with him and Dak Prescott. And what's Mike McCarthy do? Here's Mike McCarthy. Uh, Beavis and Butthead, because he has no opinion about anything. He does whatever Jerry says, right? No, Dak Prescott is the better quarterback. I don't care if Cooper Rush is 5-0, and he's undefeated, or whatever it is with this team. Are you kidding me? He's Cooper freaking Rush. He got outgained by Cooper Cup, and we called it on Friday, didn't we? We called it. Cooper Cup at 125 yards as a receiver. This quarterback had a buck, too, and he wins. Well. Jeez, no. It's Dak Prescott. Agree? It's just one of those things that uh, the team, I, I, whatever reason it is, the, the team is playing well right now. Then I just got to say for one thing, you got to think you spent too much money on Dak. Sure. Sure he did. Okay. But is he the better quarterback? You can't argue that. Does he have the better skill set? If he's healthy, he's the guy. He's the guy. We'll, we'll see what transpires. But uh, who would have thought we'd have been talking about the Philadelphia Eagles being undefeated after uh, five weeks? Who thought that we'd have Tower Power playing with uh, you don't change horses in the middle of a stream during this segment either? There you go. Uh, with you, anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely correct, my friend. There you go. Yes, no, that is a, a, a coaching uh, decision or no, it's, it's going to be an owner decision with that. But no, I would fully expect them to go back to D- Dak Prescott because it's only going to take one uh, Cooper Rush, you know, uh, fiasco to happen, which it will happen. I mean, there's, there's no question that it's, it's coming here. To his defense, he's had the benefit of playing with the lead in every game. He's not had to make those plays, uh, you know, like you said, a buck two passing. When he gets a game that he's got to come from behind or, and move the team, you know how it is in any sport. You know, whenever you're playing with a lead, it's like, you know, running downhill. It, it's a different uh, animal. And so we'll see what happens. This will be an interesting uh, week uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, that's for sure. And when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, how excited should we be with the Cowboys? Okay, they were life and death to beat the Bengals. They, they beat them at home, and the Bengals weren't playing well. And they beat the Giants, okay? They beat the Commanders, and they beat this Rams team, Marco, that really looks a lot like 
the commanders and some of these other teams. I mean, you know, I talked about it before the season started. I think it's going to be very hard for this team to repeat, but this team looked downright awful yesterday. And I firmly expected them to bounce back with the, with the win against the Cowboys yesterday. And they were never even in this game. I mean, getting blitzed 22 to 10 in this game. I, when you look at the Rams, I, I I don't think you could say, hey, they're just going to flip the switch anytime because even their victories, they didn't cover and didn't look very good. They were life and death in those wins, and they're two and three right now. And they were in the Monday night game last week. You know, give them the you know that was a physical game with the the 49ers. I mean, you know the rivalry there with the, the Niners and the Rams and playing on a short week. Uh, you know, this is a team that you know I always throw that. Uh, fat and sassy term out there. They're coming off their Super Bowl year. Uh, they're playing like a team that you know did the circuit after winning the Super Bowl, and you know, just uh, they're not. They don't appear to be mentally and physically prepared for the season. They started the season with Matthew Stafford that first game. You know, there was supposed to be no problems with the off-season procedure, but he didn't look a hundred percent in that game against Buffalo, and they haven't been good in any game since then. So I, I agree with you. They're, they're a train wreck. The 49ers uh, with Jimmy G are the team to beat, uh, plain and simple. There it is. Marco D'Angelo joins us. Uh, Wager Talk, of course, joins us on Fridays at the Westgate. Join us here today for a NFL a Monday afternoon quarterback edition and recapping these games. And another upset, we go to jolly old England, and the Packers failed to the uh, Giants yesterday, 27-22. to Packers blew a 17-3 to lead, blew a 20-10 halftime lead. Uh, I, I, again, Marco, I was sleeping, so I didn't get a chance to see this. And honestly, it was one of those games you and I talked about. I don't know if you did it, but I did it. Of course, I teased yeah. the Packers down. I teased them. Yeah. And then I got a text about 9.30 Packers lost. Are you kidding me? And I'm going like, okay, please tell me you're you're kidding here. Are you are you kidding me? And then I look look up the score and I see this. And then I go take a deeper dive and see they got outscored seventeen to two in the second half. And that two was a courtesy two at the yep. end. So basically, it was seventeen nil with the courtesy safety at the end. Jair Alexander says this: the defensive back for the Packers. Uh, I ain't worried. But if we lost next week, well, then I'd be worried because they're playing the Jets. But it's a new situation for everybody, new circumstances, sleep patterns. It's a whole adjustment thing here in London. Here's what i got to say, Jair Alexander. It was that way for the Giants, too, and everybody else, right? You don't lose to the Giants, especially after you build a big lead here. So Aaron Rodgers took to the podium yesterday afterwards at London. He said there was conversation in the locker room. He didn't like the conversation in the locker room. Packers making excuses. And you heard what Jair Alexander said in his quote. He didn't like that either. I don't like all this conversation about losing next week. I'm a firm believer in the power of words and manifestation. And we got to check ourselves on that because talking about that is not, that's not winning football. There was conversation about in the locker room, and I don't like it. And, uh, Josh, my guy, but we don't need to be talking like that. I understand there's a reality in this game, but there's a win and a loss every single game. But there's also reality in in life that you uh, what you're putting your energy towards. That's where your focus is going to go. So uh, I'm not going to address 
prospects of losing up here uh, other than we just lost this game. Offensively, we haven't put two halves together. There's a lot that factors into that. Um, you know, everything from calls to execution uh, to the momentum to defensive stops to adjustments that we make that are good or shouldn't make. Um, but it's a lot of execution. And there's games like this where our defense is not going to be up to their normal standards, and we got to pick them up. We had chances, a lot of chances. So definitely the offense, uh, this one will weigh heavy on us on this flight back. All right, that is Aaron Rodgers after the Packers lost yesterday to the Giants 27-22. All right, Mr. Early Morning Bangers and Mash, I'm sure you watched this game. What happened? They made Daniel Jones look good, <laughs> and I don't know how you do that. That is a mystery to me. Um, yeah, I was on them with the teasers, and I can tell you, you can ask any you know bookmaker across town, I don't care what sports book you go to, um, they had a big smile on their face heading into uh, the kickoff of the, the rest of the slate uh, because that one, them losing outright took out, every possible wager that you could have with the Packers, whether, you know, money line, uh, you know, parlays, teasers, straight bets, everything was hooked with Green Bay in that early morning uh, game. And that set the books up for the start of a very, very good day yesterday. I, I saw it and I can't even fathom what I saw of how they, they lost that game especially when you, you jump out to the lead that they did. They're supposed to run away and hide in a game like that. The Giants are not built to come from behind with Daniel Jones. I'm sorry, no. and they did. You're right, and that's the thing, too. I don't want to hear about sleep patterns. I mean, that is that is bogus. Now, if you start the game slow and then, okay, you're not used to the, the, the time zone, the time differences or whatever, but – you start off like a house of fire, and then all of a sudden, then you can't score. All of a sudden, you go to the locker room. What is it? You, you take a nap? Is that what happened? They're in the wrong country for a siesta, my friend. I mean, what the heck is that? I mean, you can't score in the second half? You get a safety at the end, a courtesy safety? This is a pattern. They didn't score anything in the second half against Tampa. Remember, they started out quick in yeah. that game and then had to hold on you know, for dear life to, to get the money there. Uh, they also, you know, the Minnesota game they were never in. Chicago can't do anything. New England game, you know, they were life and death with New England with a backup quarterback. Not only backup Third quarterback, backup to the backup. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, so I, they've got some serious problems here. And, you know, everybody, you know, said, you know, the, the defense was supposed to be good. You gave up 27 points to Daniel Jones and you gave up 24 points to third string quarterback. Let's, in back-to-back weeks. Let's continue the bitch session here. It seems like it's a terrible Tuesday. I'm going to probably repeat a lot of this tomorrow. <laughs> Tampa Bay, Marco, 21 nothing. Okay, they're going to write their own score. They're going to do what Buffalo was doing at the same time. Buffalo put the pedal to the metal, gas them out, foot in the throat, good night, see you later, 38-3, 21 nothing. Then I see the final of 21-15, of course, you know, mm-hmm. going to lay eight with, you know, uh, with the Tampa Bay here in that situation. They give up 15? They can't score in the second half? 21 nothing, and you don't score in your home field against the Falcons? What's up? What was up with Tom Brady in the, in the Bucks yesterday? Well, that back door helped, uh, helped the books. It didn't bail yeah. them out of the teasers, right. but it bailed them out of everything else. 
um, you know, with with them because there was a lot of that was a big steam game. I mean, that game, uh, if you remember, you know, most of the week was eight, and by Sunday, uh, closed it, yeah. yeah, closed at ten in places. They were betting with, uh, you know, both hands on Tampa because you know the. Everybody was. Tom Brady's not going to lose three games. Well, you know what? Tom Brady didn't lose three games, <laughs> but he still didn't cover three. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely correct. All right. Uh, other uh, games of note uh, that uh, you want to rant on from yesterday or praise? Well, you know, a couple uh, patterns there. Uh, you know, Jim or John Harbaugh almost uh, once again uh, <laughs> questionable. Uh, you know, the week before, you know, he doesn't kick the field goal. <laughs> when in that spot, I said you most definitely had to. This time, I thought he had. You know, he should have went for it deep in the territory because of where they were at in the game. Um, in he kicks the field goal this time. The minute he kicked the field goal to go up six, I texted a buddy and I said, "Here's the final score." And I said it's going to be 1917. Baltimore's going to win. And he texts me back, I'm on a stream, but I'm not that far behind. What did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, just trust me. You didn't miss anything. You're, you're up to date. That's going to be the final score. And that's what happened. Cincinnati goes down the field, gets the touchdown, and then, you know, he's lucky enough to get the, you know, have enough time left to get the field goal with the best field goal kicker in the game. I yep. mean, let's. Uh, the second isn't even close. Right. Uh, Tucker has been money for just forever, and uh, they got the win. But if you had uh, Baltimore plus the or minus the three, you weren't happy with that result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had Baltimore plus minus the three. I wasn't happy with that <laughs> result. So, you know. And you were trying to do the reverse jink. Jinx by telling your buddy, "Oh, here's the final score. You know, there it is." That's what you're trying to do. I know. I know your head games. You know me too well. You know me too well. And that's one of those times where, you know, I like to be right. You, you know yes. that, doing a show with me. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be right with that one, but I knew I was going to be. <laughs> oh, I know. The, the, that is so very frustrating. All right, my friend, let's wrap it up with tonight's game. It is the Raiders and the Chiefs. Chiefs a seven-point favorite in this game. We've seen some pretty good two-way action with this thing. Hovering depending on, you know, minus 110, 120, even some even money, depending on, on which way you're going with this thing here. But, uh, Marco, the two team teaser for me, uh, in effect here, um, with, uh, with, with the Chiefs just to win tonight. And not even, I'm going to give you a money line parlay, Marco, because you're like me. You like the money line parlay, right? Here we go. Yeah. All right. Now, now tell me that I'm wrong with this one. Try to, try to burst my bubble because I think I'm going to the cashier, okay? <laughs> I'm on it. Chiefs. To the Astros in Game One tomorrow. Come on now, that's minus one twenty. I, if there was ever a TC Martin bet, that was it. I, yeah. I could, you know, Stevie Wonder saw that bet coming. Okay, <laughs> there it is. Uh, what I got to say about this game in TC, you said it is. This line is sitting on seven. It is not coming off the seven. They're doing a little bit of tweaking with the juice, but it's not moved off seven. How many times have you seen a popular team, and in, in Kansas City is one of the most popular teams in the NFL, that any time that the line is around that seven, seven and a half, immediately we see a, a one-point line move, one and a half to get it to nine yep. to block the teasers. Yep. This thing is not moved all week, and 
any book you talk to or you look at, you know, sites that, you know, show you the betting splits, you're seeing 70% or better of the betting is on Kansas City, yet this thing has not moved all week. We've seen a couple times it, it some books just a, a blink of seven and a half, and the minute you see it, it's gone because the Sharps come back and take the plus money. There is a lot of respected money that is on the Raiders, and that's why you have not seen this game go that other direction. For me, I didn't use a play for my clients personally. I gave them an opinion and said, you know, the old pizza money bet, if you got to have something to watch the game, I think KC wins, but I think this is going to come down to a final possession. My um, number here is KC 31-27. So that would make, the, of course, the Raiders the cover. I'm hearing a lot of people thinking that this is a sandwich game for the Chiefs, and they say, oh, it's a look ahead to Buffalo. And then I talked about it on Friday's show where Patrick Mahomes came off their last game and said, hey, now we gear up for the Raiders because we don't like them. Uh, again, they're still talking about the Raiders stomping on the logo last week, all the other nonsense, the bus ride two years ago. I mean, this is a rivalry, okay? And this is real. These guys don't like them. And they have pounded this this team. And like I mentioned on Friday, I'll say it again, Patrick Mahomes, 7-1 and one against the Raiders. Uh, Kansas City has never scored fewer than 28 points in eight career games with Patrick Mahomes, over 2,500 passing yards, 22 touchdowns, three picks. That's it. Oh, yeah, and they're averaging 37 points per game in this. So the, they have been in blowout fashion for the most part, Marco, and, and I, I kind of am pointing to that, but then again, with you, that's why I went the safe routine and went money line here. And again, because it's 340-350, you got to find something really to, to go with unless you just want to lay it. But if I'm just asking Kansas City to win this game, I feel pretty darn good about it. The Raiders could keep it within seven, but nah. Kansas City will not be overlooking the Raiders. I'll say it again. They will not be overlooking the Raiders. I hear you, but... As we saw with Green Bay yesterday and you saw with Tampa Bay, what's to say they get that 14-point lead? Different mindset. Uh, Different mindset. And then you start thinking about Buffalo because I don't care how much of a rivalry this is, T.C., the AFC championship game is either going to be played in Kansas City or it's going to be played in Buffalo. I'm telling you that right. It's going to be one of those two. I agree. Yeah, one of those two locations, and next week's game is going to possibly be the determining factor for that, and they can't help but think about that. And you know what? All off season, okay, and I'm included. I'm guilty of it as well. We've all said the same narrative. The only reason Buffalo didn't win that playoff game is they lost the coin toss in overtime. That's all we've heard. Right. Well, you know what? There's two ways to listen to that is Kansas City can take that and make that, you know, their mantra for the game and say, you know, everybody's saying we're not the best team. We just were lucky enough to win a coin flip. They want that game. That's a big game, and I am worried that if things happen too easy, too quick in this game, that they could get complacent in this game. And the Raiders went out and got the biggest offseason free agent available on the market for one reason, to compete with the Chiefs. 
They needed an offensive, more offensive weapons because they're not doing it defensively. Okay, uh, you, they don't have enough time to build a defense, in, you know, here in uh, Las Vegas to compete with the Chiefs. They need to be able to trade points with them, and that's what they did. And I said it on Friday's show. Don't forget. Josh McDaniels finally got, you know, that win. The toughest win for a coach is the first one. And, you know, the, he was feeling the heat here. The, you know, the media was asking a lot of questions. They built this team and got him the players and went out and signed him as the coach. And we were 0-3. If they would have been 0-4, this thing could have totally unraveled. But they got the win, and he's got experience in playing the Chiefs from all those years with Belichick, uh, it seemed like they they met every year, either in the playoffs or the regular season, and they were all wars. So he's got to take that experience with him, and that has to be useful for him in preparing a game plan to stop the Chiefs tonight. Should be a fun game. I hope it's an entertaining game. And uh, like I said, if you got some pizza money you want to <laughs> wager, I'm going on the Raiders. I, I think we do have a little pizza money bet. We got pizza bet. I think the place. Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say I got Andy Reid. You got Josh McDaniels. How's that? Oh God! Yeah, thank you. I just got—I got heartburn from my pizza. Exactly, <laughs> and I'm already tasting tasting my spicy pep right now. There it is. I'm going to send you a picture, Marco. If you haven't seen it, I'm sending you a picture of my spicy pep—the best spicy pep in the world. It's coming to you right now in that text. I—I just—I got to hear your reaction in Sacramento. Luigi's Pizza been there since 1951. The only one of the main reasons I do go back to Sacramento is for that pizza, and there it is. Marco D'Angelo. I wish I could take you to Sacramento with me so I can make you buy me this pizza bet. There you go, my friend. <laughs> Boom. Sent. You, you Sent. do love your food, sir. I you do, do love my food. Love your food. I, want you, I want you to tell the, the, our listeners right now when you open up that text and tell me what you think of that pizza. That's Saturday night's pizza right there, brother. Yeah, well, it would help if it would come through, but the picture hasn't come through. <laughs> so I'll just I'll play along and say that's the best Nunchuck, darn pizza I've ever seen. Uh, Nunchuck's seen it. I've seen it already. Yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, we're talking. Hey, you're lo- loaded up with the pepperoni. All right. I'm down. That I'm is. down. And if you're into the whole combo thing, I mean, that looks amazing, too, with all that stuff. That's just, But that's that's just the pep right there. So if the pep looks that good, can imagine? Imagine what the Luigi special looks like there. Uh, you know, give me, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a mushroom guy with my pepperoni. Yeah, oh, you and me both. You and me both. There you go. Fresh All mushrooms, right. my friend. Fresh. Do they do the sliced <laughs> sausage or do they do the real sausage? Oh, they do the real sausage. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not that much of a sausage guy. I'm a pet like Mark. I'm a pep and, and mushroom guy. Sausage pep all the way. Uh, I know that it's it's very popular. No question. All right, Marco, appreciate you, brother. We'll see you on Friday. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is, my man, Marco D'Angelo. Wager Talk. Go there. Wagertalk.com. Get Marco's plays. And, uh, yeah, he, he's kind of leaning towards the Raiders plus seven. That number has not moved. We're going to talk about that with our next guest. That is Chuck Esposito over at the Red Rock. Where's the money coming in on for Monday Night Football? Tell me a story. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the doctor. Uh, all right, well, so it was a real quiet. Boom! <laughs> 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 you never know. That's the point. Go, go, Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. We have plenty of stories. Our next guest has plenty of stories, too, as well, too. On the other side of the counter over at the Red Rock, 
and all the station casino properties, Chuck Esposito. What's going on, Mr. Chi-Town? It's all good, T. You know, big uh, big weekend just concluded for the most part. And pro football, you've got our Raiders playing the Chiefs tonight. And what you kind of think is almost a must-win game for the Raiders is to add into their break. Um, so it's uh, all good stuff, buddy. All right, so this line is basically stayed at seven the entire time, Chuck. But we've seen, you know, juice moving in different directions. I'm curious, um, how come this 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 number has not moved off of seven? And I I know preface this by it is so hard to move something off off of seven. But uh, any reason why it, it hasn't? No, you know, I, I think that you can make a case that when there's a key number, sometimes that you don't move it as quickly and right. we were at seven and a half there was a you know a long stretch that we were and now that it sits on seven i really don't think that it, we come off the seven you may move the the juice a little bit it's just kind of one of those numbers that if you don't have to come off it um you won't it is a key number the game could fall seven um so i, I think in this case you know you still have some carryover from the weekend with a lot of, of action going into uh, the chiefs mainly from the weekend Overall, a pretty good Saturday and Sunday, um, but we're definitely Raider fans tonight, which hasn't been the case a whole lot after the last over the last couple of years. So, Chuck, is there like around seventy percent of the tickets on the Chiefs tonight? Is that number accurate? Uh, not quite that high, T. Okay. Probably in the, in the low sixties. Um, we're looking at on the Chiefs tonight, um, but you, you still have a lot of Raider play, you know, especially with our you know, local bias, and I know we've talked about it before, if it's Knights, Raiders, Aces, uh, you're still going to get some play there. And a lot of the Raiders betters, you know, especially locally, are betting them on the money line, um, feel that they can win the game outright. They did have some success against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. Uh, we know the whole, you know, kind of circle the wagon, circle around Arrowhead when they beat them there. Um, don't think they'll be trying to give them any bulletin board material for this one. Um, but uh, a lot of local bias and a lot of local money, you know, still coming in on the Raiders. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, we kind of figured that, that it would. I mean, there's no question with that. Now, what does your gut tell you, Chuck? I mean, we know that there's a huge difference for being, you know, two and three and one and four. And of course, it's a must win situation for the Raiders here. But on the flip side, the Chiefs have had so much success against the Raiders, especially Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. He's seven and one against the Raiders. Kansas City's never scored fewer than 28 points in those games. Eight career games, Patrick Mahomes, over 2,500 yards in passing, 22 touchdowns, three picks, and this team has averaged 37 points per game. And we remember what they did to the Raiders in those two games last year, both here at Allegiant Stadium as well as Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdown passes in one of those games alone. And I, I still believe that this game is important to Kansas City and a lot of people are, are thinking, well, you know, they got Buffalo up next week. They're looking past this. All you have to do is go back and listen to what Patrick Mahomes said after their game last week when they still had the pads on. He goes, good game today, guys. Is that, hey, but let's remember who's coming to town next week. All right? It's the Raiders. Okay? We got this. We got them. Let's go get them. Let's stay focused on them. And I think that the Chiefs are... You know, I'm not going to say they're going to blow this team out, but anybody that's thinking that Kansas City is looking by the Raiders is sadly mistaken, in my opinion. Well, I think there was a lot of maybe kind of disrespect for the Chiefs going into the season. I think the moves that the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders made, everybody said that the gap you know, had narrowed, that the AFC West was now the toughest division in football, and that with the loss of Tyreek Hill, this wouldn't be the same Chiefs team. Um, yet they sit at 3-1, and one, 
They're in great shape right now. The only team, you know, that has a better record than them um, is the Bills at 4-1 going into this game in the AFC. A loss here, and, you know, they're 3-2, and two, Chargers 3-2. and two. Broncos and Raiders would both be 2-3, and three, and the division still would be kind of, you know, up for grabs at this point. This is a chance for them to kind of solidify uh, the lead going into the West. You stole a little bit of uh, going into next week. You, you stole a little bit of my thunder because they do have a big game next week. Not prime time, but a late afternoon game, you know, rematch of that huge game against the, the Bills last year in the playoffs that went back and forth and they left the Chiefs too much time. So there's no question. They, they know they have this game coming up. Um, but I think it's a big game for both these teams. I think the Raiders, you know, to go to one and four and head into your bye, um, I think it really puts them behind the eight ball. This is a much bigger game for the Raiders tonight than it is for the Chiefs. All right. Chuck Esposito joins us over at Red Rock. So, Chuck, with the Packers going down the, the way they did yesterday, uh, the Patriots, uh, you know, blowing a 21 nothing lead, only winning by six, and throw the Rams in there as well, too, another favorite. I know all three of those teams were probably involved on parlays and especially teasers. And, you know, with Kansas City, you know, tonight, I, I would imagine that those teams I just mentioned were probably linked to the Chiefs in some teaser action, right? Yeah, there's definitely some uh, teaser and parlay liability um, going into the Chiefs tonight. That usually happens, though, from the weekend, regardless of how, how well or maybe poorly you did over the weekend. Um, everything's kind of dumping into the last game. This is the last game. Um, we do have a lot of baseball playoff games up as well, so you've got some carryover going to those. Um, but overall, yeah, I mean, I, it looks like right now, unless something changes uh, dramatically, that this is one of the kind of the, the few primetime games over the last few years that we are clearly rooting for a Raider outright win. Ooh, there it is. They are rooting for the home team tonight, no doubt about it. So what was it uh, for you like, Chuck, uh, incorporating, I guess, both Saturday and Sunday, if you want to break it down for us, win, lose, or draw for the books? Uh, overall, Saturday was a, was a pretty good day, and, and yesterday, you know, some of the bigger decisions of the day, early in the day, um, losing the, the Pittsburgh-Buffalo game, and then um, late in the day, um, you had some games that really went the public's favor as well. But overall, a, a really good day, um, you know, for us, I think, just with some of the, you know, underdogs that covered yesterday or were able to win the game, win the games outright. But uh, Pittsburgh clearly was not a good game for us. And in the morning in San Francisco, uh, beating Carolina handily was not a good game in the afternoon. Um, but again, overall, a, a really good weekend for both Friday or Saturday and Sunday. Steve. So on Saturday, Chuck, uh, how many? Uh, what was the? Uh, let's say the percentages. How were they split from seeing Irish uh, garb versus uh, BYU garb? You know, saw a lot more Irish garb around, um, but uh, you know, uh, it was it was fun to have those two schools here and playing at Allegiant. I think it was a great opportunity to kind of showcase the facility and um, you know everything that that we can be out here is you know kind of the sports mecca. So having you know two popular teams and and having them play out here, I, I think was great. But saw a little bit more green um, this time uh, overall for for the Irish. Yep. All right. And, uh... A great game, entertaining game. Irish win and cover. They're three and a half point uh, choice. They win twenty eight to twenty in that game against uh, BYU. Both schools uh, traveling very, very well. And we're used to seeing that with BYU and Notre Dame. First time they've ever played here in Vegas. So uh, definitely a, a great spectacle there. Uh, keeping on the college side, we go back to Friday night, Chuck. Uh, UNLV gets drilled by San Jose State. This line six and a half. I didn't really see it moving too much here. 
And I think you can make the case, and this isn't just after the fact. We talked about it last week that, you know, San Jose State is a pretty good football team, and they've had UNLV's number in the past. Uh, how did you guys do, you know, with that outcome? It was a good outcome for us, T. I think, you know, the way that UNLV had been playing, um, you know, you, you were starting to get a lot of backers. They were at home in this game. Um, you know, a winnable game and having them kind of get beat the way that they did overall was, was a good outcome for us. And, you know, I think you look at it and you see San Jose State that's, you know, encroaching almost double-digit favorite um, on the road in the late game Saturday against Fresno. I just think speaks volumes of how good the San Jose State team really is. 33 nothing in that game before UNLV scored with 252 left in the third quarter. San Jose State had 203 yards rushing, 230 passing, total 433. UNLV couldn't get anything going. And just all that momentum that they had built up, Chuck, just kind of came crashing down. And it's too bad because we know how fickle the, the fan base is there. And they were like kind of, okay, hey, we're 4-1. and one. This is looking good. But you look at that schedule, you know, you, you don't think of San Jose State being very good because of, you know, how down they've been in, in years past. Last couple seasons they've been good, and they're starting to build up that program. And I think people think about basketball, where San Jose State's not very good. And then you got Air Force coming up next week, and it's like, wow, this is, you know, could be another dangerous time for UNLV when just days ago people were feeling so good about this team. Not only were they feeling really good about them, I think you know, you actually kind of seen some media chatter about they're only two wins away from being bowl eligible. I think still, you know, looking at where they're at right now and where they've been over the last couple of years, um, you know, sometimes it's baby steps. But I think there is some positive signs there. I think, you know, depending on with Brumfield, that quarterback, um, there's a major question mark there right now. Um, but overall, I, I think UNLV has really kind of at least taken a, a positive step this year, even with that loss to San Jose last week. All right, we know that uh, Texas A&M nearly pulled off the upset against Alabama uh, two years in a row. They got the job done last year, and then Alabama, a huge favorite in that game, 24 points, and uh, the, the Tide had four turnovers in this game. I know you guys were A&M fans, right? We were, yep. Mm-hmm. We were. I mean, Bama's got a big game coming up this weekend, too, where they, they play at Tennessee, which, you know, is going to be, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at Alabama this year. I know with the quarterback situation, I think he'll be back. Um, it's Maybe they're not quite as, as good. Um, I, it's hard to actually say that, but I, I think you look at Bama and Georgia and Ohio State right now and Clemson, um, but this Tennessee from the offensive side of the ball can score some points. It's going to be a tough place to play. It's going to be a sea of orange. Um, but uh, I think it's one of the more intriguing matchups of the weekend, um, Bama and Tennessee at 1230 in the afternoon our time. And, and what is that uh, line that you have that you open that up, Chuck? You know, it, it's right above a touchdown, T. So, you know, anxious to see if, you know, we see the value in Tennessee getting more than a touchdown or if this number is driven up even higher uh, as we get closer to kickoff. And, and how many people do you think believe in Tennessee? I mean, they're playing some fantastic football, uh, but again, you know, this is a team that uh, has been down for many, many years, and we've seen other teams that, that start off the season, you know, 4, 5, and 0, oh, something like that, and then they roll into Alabama, and then boom, look out. But Or do you feel that, that there, are fan, there are people here that are saying, hey, maybe Alabama is not that good, especially with the injury to Bryce Young? Well, that's the key, I think. I think Young is going to play in this game, and I think once that becomes official, I think you're going to see this number go up. Taking nothing away from Tennessee, um, they can really score. Uh, I think you know, you're know you going to see this total maybe go up a little bit, 
But I think once we know for sure that Young is playing, I think you will see this number creep up a bit. All right. And you stay on the college side here real quick, Chuck. Uh, you know, the battle of the undefeateds with TCU and Kansas. TCU hung on. They got a victory of 38-31. So Kansas still a pretty good uh, account of themselves, but they got the loss. And then on the flip side, what the heck is, is wrong with Oklahoma? And we, we've seen Oklahoma now give up 668 yards to TCU last week. They gave up 585 to Texas. And we know that Texas had this game circle on the calendar, but to beat them down the way they did at 49 to nothing, I mean, that tells us, man, something definitely is wrong in, in Boomer Soonerland. Yeah, no question, T. Um, I think, you know, getting to your first point about Oklahoma State and, and TCU with both teams undefeated, Oklahoma State walloped them last year at home. Now they have to go play, um, you know, against TCU at, at their home stadium. Um, I think this number's going up as well. Uh, you've seen it kind of industry-wide around the, the three-and-a-half or four range. Wouldn't surprise me to see the Horned Frogs get a little bit of love um, between now and 1230 on Saturday. All right. And uh, finally, uh, look, looking ahead to next week in the NFL, Chuck, uh, give us some uh, some early action games that you're, uh, you got circled there. Well, we already touched on the, the Buffalo-Kansas uh, City yep. game a little bit, but the game that really jumps off the page to me, T., is the Sunday night game, um, Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, I know Philadelphia is, you know, five-point favorite here. Um, I know that they're the only undefeated team left. But after the first quarter, they've had some struggles. Um, you know, I think you look at Dallas and defensively, they are, you know, you could make a case that they're the top defensive team or one of the top two or three defensive teams in the entire league. They've now won three games in a row uh, without Prescott. Uh, or I'm sorry, four games in a row without Prescott. They're four and one. Um, you know, they've looked really good um, with Cooper Rush at quarterback. And you get Prescott back, you know, you have Gallup back. Maybe you get um, Schultz healthy again. You've got both running backs and Pollard and, and Elliott. I think this Cowboy team is really good. And it doesn't look like Prescott's going to play here. But I still think this number is high because this Cowboy team has a chip on their shoulder. They can flat out play D. I know the Eagles are undefeated, but you look at who they've beaten so far. After the first quarter, this Eagle offense has been way more conservative. They run the ball way more. It's the style of play that Seriani has them playing. I think there's tremendous value on the Cowboys, and I think this is a great primetime game on Sunday night football. And I think you look at the entire NFC East, which we talked about how great the AFC West was going into the season. They look somewhat you know, mediocre to me at this point. But you look at the East with the Eagles at 5-0, and the Cowboys and Giants both at 4-1. and I'm not going to talk about the Commanders, but um, I think you make a real case that you know nobody expected the Giants to be 4-1 and or the Eagles to be 5-0 and right now. And this is a really good division uh, with three good teams that are going to be fun to watch the rest of the way. I mean, how cool is this to see the Eagles and the Cowboys playing meaningful football, once 5-0, and once 4 Chuck, we haven't seen that in decades. No matter who it was, I, either one, it's great. I think it's great, T. I yeah, mean, me it's too. obvious they're two of the more popular teams in the league, and I think it's an awesome Sunday night game. You know, Monday night, I know that Russell Wilson had the injection in his shoulder. Uh, I think that offense has really struggled. He doesn't look like the same guy. He played a lot of that street ball where he'd be running around. He had the big targets and, and Metcalf and, 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 and Lockett um, and that, you know, the Legion of Boom on defense. He just looks different to me. I, he just isn't as created out, creative outside the pocket with his legs. Um, and, you know, I think it's kind of a big game for Denver, too, against the Chargers. 
Chargers always seem to find a way to let their opponent in late in games that they control. I didn't agree with the call yesterday to to go for it on fourth down. Um, you give them a real short field, and they got lucky um, that Cade York missed that field goal, or they'd be a team uh, that was you know below 500. So, um, but you know, I think it's a big game for for the Broncos more so. But I think both primetime games, being interdivisional games, are both really good games. A lot of great action Saturday and Sunday coming up. And we got a very interesting game tonight with the Chiefs and the Raiders as well, too. Chuck, we appreciate the time. As always, my friend, STN mobile app, so easy to use, so good. And, uh, again, get over to any of the Station Casino properties. The viewing is is fantastic, as we know, and uh, great betting options. My man, I appreciate you as always. Always good to be on with you, T. Enjoy the game, and uh, look forward to jumping on with you next week. You got it, brother. Be cool. There it is. Chuck Esposito, our guy over at Red Rock. All right. I want to thank Chuck for joining us today. Marco D'Angelo talking a lot of football in this hour as well as last hour as well, too, with Tim Brando, a fantastic broadcaster with Fox Sports, doing the college football and Again, college basketball just coming around the corner with Timmy B. We'll be doing a lot of double duty as well, too. All right, if you miss any part of the show, go to the website. All there for you at tcmartinshow.com. Raiders Chiefs got our preview up there for tonight's game, Monday Night Football. Interviews up there on the current interview page, the classics. It's all there. So go check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. For Num Chuck TC saying so long, Major League Baseball playoffs. The division series starts tomorrow. That's right. In the American League, it's Seattle at Houston. Cleveland against the Yankees. Best three out of five. The ALDS. National League, it's Philly and Atlanta. And the Padres and the Dodgers. All four series start tomorrow. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. We've got all of our baseball experts coming on this week, too. Chris Bosio, Steve Sachs, Bob Kendrick's going to join us from the Negro League Museum as well, too. So plenty of football, baseball, even some hoop coming up this week. TCMartinShow.com. See you tomorrow at 2. Hey, baby. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. Live. Can you dig it? In the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the spin. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. is now in. Happy Monday to you. Glad to have you with us. The T.C. Martin Show streaming live wherever you are. TCMartinShow.com, of course, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Glad to have you here. Pacific time, of course. We get ready for a little Monday night football tonight here in Las Vegas. Obviously, you got some interested uh, patrons, so to speak, whether you're a Raider fan or Chiefs fan or just any fan because... We got some uh, extreme betting going on. Both sides of this game getting good, pretty pretty good two way action with the Raiders and the Chiefs. Chiefs a seven point favorite tonight. Monday night football. Looking forward to that. We'll preview that with our handicapper extraordinaire Marco D'Angelo 
from Wager Talk, of course, will join us. And, of course, Marco on with us each and every Friday. Also part of our Best Bets segment as well, too. And then from the sportsbook side, Chuck Esposito will join us over at Red Rock. So that will be our number two. Our number one of the show. Uh, one of my all-time favorites, of course. Broadcast legend with Fox Sports and of formerly with CBS and with uh, so many others as well, too. The one and only Tim Brando joins us today. <laughs> and the reason why Tim Brando fits so well into the show is it's not because of his sports knowledge, broadcasting prowess. His food takes are good, too. But the music! Because Tim Brando and myself, you know, we come from a very similar background. We all start out as music DJs back in the day. That's right. Timmy B, just like me, music, goes into sports, incorporates it all. I'll never listen to this song again without thinking of Timmy B. (laughs) The Bertha Butt Buggy. You got to love that. No question. Jimmy Casta. Jimmy Casta Bunch for you old school R&B funksters. You got to like that. All right. All right, yeah, so Timmy B. So, Numchuck, I was thinking today, what are we going to use for Timmy B when he comes on today? And uh, so I woke up this morning, and as you know, uh, a plethora of different songs when I, when I wake up to my alarm clock, uh, usually of the old school R&B variety. Today, it was Casey and the Sunshine Bound Get, Get Down Tonight, oh boy. which he w- used he, in, yeah. in the fir- very first song fest. So he likes that. But... Uh, he always likes BTO, as we know, too. So I was thinking that we need to go probably a little BTO today for Timmy B. He'll take care I'm of down. business. I'm down. Yeah, I think Let's we, do it. I think, I think we come with that today. There you go. But uh, you know, he's got a little versatility, you know, Timmy B. Just like so many of our other guests as well, too. I mean, who, who thought that uh, Houston Nutt would uh, come with some Earth, Wind, and Fire, some Casey and the Sunshine Band as well, too? He got that going on. All right. Tim Brando, he will join us this hour. All right, so busy, busy weekend. Uh, Major League Baseball, the playoffs. We are now into the divisional round, so we got through the wild card round. I know a lot of people were looking forward to that, and I was as well. I was hyping it up. But I really didn't get a chance to enjoy it as much as maybe I hoped to with the wild card round. First of all, didn't have a dog in the fight because the Astros were – Waiting to play, you know. You got you, you got to win to come face the Astros. You got to win. You know what I'm saying? Uh, do you know how I got woken up this morning? Take a while to guess how I got woken up. Not once, not twice, but three times. The lady, as Lionel Richie once said, in the Commodores. Phone calls. Yeah, I got phone calls. Okay. From where? Tampa Bay. What am I talking about here? What, what am I just talking about? What have I just said? Baseball, playoffs, Base Astros. Winner? Oh, Dusty. <laughs> oh, That's a God. phone call. I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Have it. But I slept through the phone calls. The, the, I slept through two voicemails. Two voicemails I slept through. Listen, I was in Sacramento all weekend. All right. MC hosting the Negro league weekend that we had there for the fundraiser for the museum and that was fantastic so shout out to um all of our sacramento sports hall of famers like Derek lee leron lee leon lee 
Team Lee against Team Royster, Jerry Royster and his family, and uh, legends from the Negro League. Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro League Museum, uh, was there. Fantastic. Uh, I'm having Bob Kendrick on this week. The stories are amazing. Amazing. Sat with this guy, so we did a meet and greet on Saturday. Then we had a game, the game on Sunday, which featured high school players from the Sacramento area, all right, African-American players and Latino players. Those are the rosters, and they were dressed up in the Negro League uniforms of the Homestead Grays and the Chicago American Giants. So that was cool to see high school prospects in the Sacramento area wearing these uniforms, and they, they knew. They knew what they were representing. It was really cool. And uh, we had the event. Uh, the game itself was on Sunday at Sacramento State University. Uh, and the Hornets were the very good baseball program, by the way. And uh, Reese Hotkin, Hot, uh, Hoskins, Phillies, comes out of there. So anyway, uh, great event, raising money, fundraiser, great crowd on hand. And we not only had Bob Kendrick there, and a lot of people may be familiar with Bob Kendrick because he does his uh, radio show and podcast on Sirius XM 89, MLB Network Radio, and it's called Black Diamonds, which talks all about the Negro League days, uh, the great African-American baseball players coming up you know, throughout the years. And so Bob Kendrick was there and got a chance to, to be with him, and we went to dinner on Saturday night. It was I was blown away at the Satchel Page stories and, you know, Buck O'Neill stories and everything else that, that goes not only with the Negro Leagues, but Major League Baseball as well, too. And we have a lot of commonalities and a lot of, uh, you know, common friendships throughout Major League Baseball as well, too. So great storyteller, great advocate for baseball in general, especially uh, the Negro Leagues. And of course, African American ballplayers as well too. And you know, things have changed. We've talked about this before. That do you know how many how many black players that we have? If we're talking about black American players that we have in Major League Baseball now, compared to say what we did twenty years ago. Okay, got any idea what that number would be? Say twenty years ago, what that percentage would be? Probably forty. Nah, 30. No. Nah. Yeah, not even. No. 27%. You're close to 30. 27%. You know what it is today? 13%. 13%. Yeah. It's a big drop off. Yeah. It's a big drop off. And yeah, and it's, and it's you're really not even, you know, counting the, you know, Latin American players that, that are coming over. So they're trying to do things all across the country, which is fantastic. Again, with youth baseball programs, Major League Baseball is, is aware of this with the RBI programs that they do uh, in a lot of the inner cities as well. But uh, we had a great time, great event. Um, we had Derek Lee on the show last week. Uh, it was it was great, you know, see Derek working with these kids and coaching. Yeah. See the picture I got of D. Lee coaching third base there? Did I did. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> So it's funny. I was just snapping all kinds of pictures, right? Not only just with, with me and the guys and everything, but I said I want I want to take some other shots. And so I'm over there. I'm seeing D Lee coach at third. I gotta snap this picture off because I don't think I would ever 
picture seeing this and and then seeing it. Yeah, so it was it was kind of cool. And I love Jerry Man uh, Jerry Royster. Now Jerry Royster, a great player back in the day, played nearly 20 years in Major League Baseball. What, you know, two Sacramento guys, him and Dusty Royster, close friends. They were actually traded for each other back in the day, the Dodgers and the Braves. When so Jerry left the Braves with Hank Aaron to the Dodgers, and Dusty came over from the Dodgers to to the Braves. Uh, so craziness there, but but Jerry was great. He was just, he was like telling these guys like you know, get down, hustle, you know, forget that play, you know, next one's up. They're stealing bases, and what I loved about this weekend it was in the game itself on Sunday, is that you had. Here are these Major League Baseball players and coaches. And Jerry managed, you know, in the Milwaukee Brewers back in the day as well, too. And they're coaching up these young kids. And really cool event. So very happy and proud to be uh, involved in that. That was associated with our Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame uh, last weekend. So everyone in Sacramento and people from the Bay Area and people that that drove down appreciate you coming down for that. So, uh, yeah, we'll have Bob Kendrick on the show this week. Uh, Phenomenal, phenomenal stories. So anyway... But yeah, uh, so I got in very late last night, and I did not have to do my MLB show to this morning on YouTube on BetUS TV because w- there's no games today. So I thought I'm going to get a chance to sleep in. Nope. Six thirty, phone call. Seven o'clock, phone call. Yeah, I know there's a two hour difference in Houston. But I mean, at least it's eight. I mean, it's eight thirty. That's still I get it. Early. I get it. That's early. I get it. I get it. And he's like, "Hey," he goes. Man, I, I want to. I are you coming? I'm making sure you're coming. Are you are, are you coming? Because I got the tickets, but I got to turn them in. You know, give me his whole rundown. I got to get my hair cut at ten o'clock. I got a meeting at the stadium. Got all the stuff going on, and then so I woke up. I'm hearing the two voicemails. So then I call back voicemail, and then get a return phone call back, and then there it is. I, and I, dude, I'm coming next week. I'm trusting that you get by. The Seattle Mariners. I mean, you only beaten them 16 times already this year, right? Okay? You can do it, right? Yeah. That's it. So, of course, you know. And I said, you want me to let you know round by round? Letting you know round by round. So, no. I'm staying here. Taking care of business. You guys take care of business with the Mariners. Be there for the LCS. He goes, oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. A little busy here. Yeah, no kidding. But I appreciate him thinking, you know, about me. Like oh, yeah. he was gonna leave me out. He was like, "No, dude, I, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. Next week we're coming, and then the World Series as well too. How cool is that gonna be if it is the Yankees and the Astros for the LCS? Yep, <laughs> can't even imagine it. It's gonna be great. Yeah, but hey, it might not be the Yankees. Think about that. It might not be the pitching problems that they've had this year, and they did not finish. I mean, they finished the season. Strong against the low lives that no they the last too. couple of weeks, you know, right, right. So you got that going, but how bad would it be if the Astros don't make it? <laughs> what if they don't get past Seattle? That's what I'm saying. saying that's, sh- that's it. Maybe you should have told. Hey, maybe maybe you might, I'm, you might be stuck with me all next that, week. Make that phone call right now. No, no. like Dusty. It's, it's hey, t- hey, hey, hey. No, you know why? Too. I don't want to see Seattle. You know how many times I've seen Seattle this year? You already saw them. Yeah, I saw them in Houston. For what three, four games, 
And then I went to Seattle with the Aces, and I saw them there. I've seen enough of Seattle. I want to see those Ham and Agers scoring two runs a game. I want to see them. Yeah, nice team, nice story, but come on. Astros going to handle them. Here's my two-team parlay. You're going to like this tonight. You like this? Okay, there you go. Yeah, and I know people don't like a lot of you know money lines. But the money line parlay, you get it down to basically even money. This is minus 120. You ready? Astros tomorrow to win game one. Tonight, Chiefs money line. Just win the game. Uh, come on now. It's a great, yeah. That should be gold. That should be. I gave that out to a couple people that they go, yeah. Can you do that? Of course you can do it. Major League Baseball game, football game, money line parlay. And that's how you knock off these $3 favorites, like the Chiefs, like a 340, $350 favorite just to win on the money line. Because I think they're going to blow out the Raiders, and we're going to talk about that later in the show. But you want to protect yourself. I mean, look at yesterday. And, and can we get TJ Reeves on tomorrow? Because I'm going to blast him. I told him. you, let's do it yeah, tomorrow. I'm going to blast him tomorrow. 21 nothing. those Ham and Akers are up. 21 nothing, And I'm laying eight and a half. Eight? I'm thinking I'm gold, right? I mean, I, I, I watched with some breakfast yesterday. I watched the first half. 21 nothing. boom, going to my event. It's all good. Final score, I see, two hours later, 21-15. What are you letting these guys back in the game for? No cover? Come on. 21 nothing, and then you stop scoring? Tampa Bay horse in trouble. Rams horse in trouble. Rams lose two in a row. They can't beat the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. What did I talk about on Friday? We talked about, right? Hey, we got the better Cooper, right? Cooper Cup versus yep. Cooper Rush. Let's go to the stats. What's that look like? Cooper Cup. You know what Cooper Cup had yesterday? Cooper Cup had himself a really nice game, didn't he? He was fine. What? 175 yards. Cooper Rush? 102. 102. You passed for 102 yards? Are you kidding me? What is that all about? Man. Come on, man. 102 yards. You're 10 for 16. As a quarterback. A starting quarterback. In the NFL, and you pass for 102 yards, and your team wins. You know, I said it's too hard to repeat. Not going to happen. I don't care what the sport is. As much as I love the Warriors and I want them to repeat, probably going to say they're not going to repeat. But football, we don't see repeats. Baseball, don't see repeats. Rams are not repeating. And, And Matthew Stafford, he looks like the Matthew Stafford from the Lions. And everything just fell into place last year, didn't it? It was the perfect storm. Nah, man. And, and I wasn't the only one. Scott Spritzer said the exact same thing. Best bets last week. We like the Rams. Laying five. You figure at home, coming off a loss, they could take care of business, right? Dallas leads from the get-go. And they win going away 22-10 to because Stafford's terrible. And Cooper Rush beats you. Now, here's another thing about this Dallas situation. We hear Jerry Jones talking, Mike McCarthy talking. Well, Dak Prescott's about ready to come back. And remember Jerry Jones after when Rush led them to beat the Giants? 
I open, you know, I'm open to quarterback competition when Dak gets back. Yeah, Dak and, and Cooper, well, quarterback competition, open competition. Come on, Jerry, that's, that's ridiculous. And then Mike McCarthy, well, what's he do? Well, he just, like, shrugs his shoulders because he's got to do whatever Jerry Jones says, doesn't he? That's what he does. That's what his role is. Man. Only one NFL team has prevented opponents from scoring multiple touchdowns in every game this season. Who's that, by the way? Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thought? Oh, by the way, is Ezekiel Elliott running for 200 yards a crack? No. How are they doing this? Mari Cooper, where's he at? He's gone. C.D. Lamb? Okay. Only one team has defeated the last two Super Bowl champions, right? Who's that? Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys are 4-1. and one. Right? Four and one. Who would have thunk it with Cooper Rush? All right, so back to Dak Prescott, getting ready to come back now. What do you do if you're Mike McCarthy or Jerry Jones? You stay with Cooper Rush or you go with Dak Prescott? Come on, this is a no-brainer. It's, it's, not, it's not even a trivia game here. No need for the Jeopardy music, none of it whatsoever. Why? Because it's Dak Prescott. He's your quarterback. Cooper Rush is a serviceable backup. Now, if he would have came down yesterday and thrown for 330 or something like that, and the guy's 24 for 28 with three or four touchdowns, I'd say, whoa, we got something here. But look at his numbers in every game that he started. Okay, he's won those games, but there's similar numbers to this. Are you kidding me? 10 for 16, 102 yards. That's dink and dunk Charlie. Dink and dunk Charlie. Non-stop. 10 for 16, a buck two. We're not talking about a running back here. We're not talking about a wide receiver. A quarterback throws for a buck two. The only active quarterbacks with multiple wins and no losses this year? Cooper Rush. 5-0 P.J. Walker, 2-0. P.J. Walker. That's a good one. P.J. Walker, yeah. Where's his head coach today? Where's that breaking news? There it is. Matt Rule, Carolina Panthers. Go! Out. Oh, man. Think he's wishing he was back in Baylor now? That jump to the NFL can be treacherous. Doesn't matter if you've taken over you know, some low-hanging fruit like the Carolina Panthers. You don't win. You don't improve. She gone. That's it. You're out. Quick trigger, maybe? Too quick a trigger on Matt Rule out as head coach? People in Carolina don't think so. Because you're talking about botching so many calls. Who's next? Who is next? Nobody this season. Nobody. You don't think so? No. Okay, who would who would the nominees be? Commanders? <laughs> Ron Rivera? Yeah. Can't see it. I mean, this guy is beloved. He, I'll tell you what else he has going for him. Native American. It's political out there, folks. It is. It is. You know? Little Ron Rivera. Uh, Ron is beloved by so many people. 
Commanders played pretty well yesterday. Almost beat the Titans. But I hear where you're going. You're thinking anybody that's that's coaching this team with that kind of a record, they got to be gone. But maybe Ron Rivera comes to a mutual decision with Dan Snyder. Oh, that's right. Or Mrs. Snyder. Because Dan's not running the day-to-day operations, right? Then again, that could be dangerous. We don't want we don't want Ron communicating too closely with Mrs. Snyder, right? Because oh, we got we got problems there when it comes to that there in Washington, right? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, who would who would be the other candidates for for coaches getting the axe? Now that you bring this up, Numchuck, us. No, <laughs> who's who's us? The Raiders. Oh, the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see it like uh forty eight to nine again tonight. No, it's not gonna be like that. No, no, no. I think and Mark is gonna stay with Josh McDaniels for a while. Uh Dan Campbell, Detroit. I could see that one. Even though they love him. They like his grit. They like that, but he's not winning. I want to say Brandon Stately so bad for the Chargers. And I know Marco D'Angelo is going to come on here and he's going to have a rant because he had the wrong side of that game. I, I can tell you right now, stay tuned. Marco comes on at 3 o'clock today. He's going to be ranting about probably not that Ham and Egger only, but the guy on the other sideline in that game in Cleveland and San Diego. How about that nonsense if you want to talk about that? 30-28. to 28. Rookie kickers, goofball coaches, Oh, my God. You know what else you had in that game, too? Midges. Do you know what midges are? Not the midgets. Not the mighty midgets like Little Tokyo and Lord Lord Littlebrook from their days back in the NWC. One, two. Oh, the midget gets thrown off the rope. He's on to Jesse Hernandez, and Jesse throws him right back on Lord Littlebrook. I used to love that. That was my favorite move when the midgets would wrestle, and then... They would go one, two, throw him up, and into the lap of the referee. Referee would throw him right back down. One, two, back in the referee's lap. All right, plenty of college football to talk about as well today. When we come back, Timmy B, Tim Brando, talks last weekend's college football and a look ahead to this weekend. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. Well, hearing a little BTO can only mean one thing. That's right. It's Timmy B time. That's what that means. A legendary broadcaster, as we well know. And he's been plenty busy, as usual, with plenty of college football going coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and always doing one thing. A little TCB with Timmy B taking care of business. A little BTO of the TC Martin Show. Timmy B, did I hit that post or what? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did, my friend. You hit it beautifully. And remember, it was Randy Bachman. That's right. It's Bachman north of the border. It's Bachman south of the border. He kept Paul Rogers and Bad Company from being the uh, the number one team to, to, to burst on the scene. And uh, I believe it was 1975 is the number one group to burst on the scene. And it was his second group, by the way. He had done it five years earlier with fellow Canadian Burton Cummings and the Guess Who. So not many guys have done that. 
And if you've kept up through the years with your rock and roll digest, you'll know that he is probably one of the more underrated all-time guitarists and um, songwriters of all time from a rock and roll standpoint. So there you have it. And yes, I feel like Casey Kasem here today with Tim Brando <laughs> as the hits, the hits keep coming. Let's go a little yeah. Paul Rogers in Bad Company right now. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, Timmy B. Is it? Of course, of course uh, Bad Company was uh, two parts free, two parts Mata Hoople. <laughs> uh, the song All Right Now, done in 1970, oh, yeah. Lives Forever. Free! Is that song that um, was actually done by the group free not bad company that is true uh, absolutely yeah. correct yeah we know free one hit wonder as we know uh, with free there uh, it is Hoople, uh, paul rogers certainly was not a one hit wonder no. not with his band no he just had several bands i i believe he's probably for me anyway is the number one all-time rock and roll band front man i really believe that i think i he think could so. be in any band i mean queen even got him for a couple of tours yeah you know you're right uh, he could sing anything for anybody uh, with any octave. He um, he was awesome. Still is. Still is. And if you ever see uh, a BTO when they do one of their deals, uh, you know, Turner is, still has his pipes, too. So when he and Bachman get together uh, and do uh, – they don't they don't work all the time. I think they're all, you know, mid-70s now. But whenever they do, they're still pretty good. They are. All right. So if you could only choose one here – who is it going to be? One one to see, one concert, one front man, one group. Who would it be? That's a tough one, I know. Oh, all right, so, so I've, I've done this before. You I, know, I've rated bands, you know, and I never, you know, forget the Beatles. They're in their own category, okay? They they are the one runaway freight train of all time, songwriters. They had, I mean, let's face it, they had three front men. You know, three three guys in that band were front men. And two, two of the greatest all-time songwriters of all time. I think you start the next, you know, the next tier of rock and roll with the Eagles. Right. And people say, well, you know, some people will say, no, you can't do that because, you know, they were really more, you know, their early stuff was more uh, country. It was uh, folk. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. No, you can't do that to them. Uh, they had many other hits. And then when they got Joe Walsh, I mean, that cemented it. Yeah, you know, took it over. Game, took over the top. That cemented yeah. I mean, now, you know, the, the Eagles now, even with um, even with Glenn Fry gone, yeah. okay, they sell out stadiums and make more money now than they ever have. So you got to start with the Eagles <laughs> at, at, the, at the, you know, when you're rating any other band. And, and I'll go Stones with you after that. And I'll, you know, Led Zeppelin is still, you know, in the top three or four. But uh, I think two of the three of the, the most incredible bands were ELO, Bad Company, and BTO. And I don't think all all three of them I think get overlooked a little bit. I'm glad that um, I'm really glad that uh, uh, ELO has now been reformed. You know, it's not really the band band because so many of the guys are gone. Yeah. The guy that think uh, is gone now. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of Jeff Lynne, oh, and as yeah. long as Richard Candy are still together on stage. I don't care what orchestra you put with them. Electric Light Orchestra is still, you know, their, their material is still dynamic. And I thought there were probably three years in the 70s, probably 75 through 8, when the best rock and roll band in the world was 
electric light orchestra. No, in I, my view. I am with you, my friend. And not only the music, yeah. but the stage show and the presence yeah, yeah. that they yeah. would put on. And, you know, I, I actually promoted ELO. Uh, a couple different times, but it was the time when Jeff yeah. Lynn had his own thing going, and I had to right. build them as the orchestra or ELO too. And mm-hmm. great guys to work with because at that point in time, they basically had everybody except Jeff. And then yeah. you remember when they got uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where they they all kind of came together, but you could still mm-hmm. just feel that friction. And that happened just yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, Bev Bevan, who was sort of the spokesman for the band, the drummer, he left and went to some alternate rock uh, group, and he and he and Lynn never got back together, which is kind of a shame. Um, and that's unfortunate. That happens with a lot of those bands, you know. It's it, that's that's tough. People talk a lot about um, the Eagles and their problems and squabbles, but they always got back together because they knew there was so much money to lose if they didn't. You know, yeah. that's it. A lot of other bands were had, had bigger squabbles than that, and uh, ELO was one of them. And and it is kind of a shame. That there's no doubt though that he was Lynn was like uh, influenced by John Lennon a great deal with the Beatles, and so much of his material sounded a lot like the Beatles, and uh, made them made them magnificent. And I got a gold record when I was the music director at K Rock. For uh, Mr. Blue Sky and the uh, the album Out of the Blue, um, when I was 1977, I think was the year <laughs> for that. Well, actually, it was a New World Record. Was the album? Yes. And, um, yes. And that was a, a great one for me. And it was sent to. I'll still have it up in my my office where I'm talking to you now. It says uh, to Tim Brandon and the K Rock staff. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Brandon, I love it. Yeah, they put an N on there. Yeah. So I, I never. Then, you know, they added a they added a, a letter and wanted to take the uh, Portuguese and Italian out of me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. This date in music history with the one and only Tim Brandon. Yeah. You gotta love it. <laughs> That's it. All right. So, uh, you know, we we love talking music with you, Timmy B. I'm sure there's people who would like to talk some college football, but hey, we'll do that another time. We'll have Timmy B back. All right. There we go. Let's <laughs> talk more about the Doobie Brothers. I come back. That's another uh, underrated. Group. Oh, hey, still, I, I still, love the dudes. I've been watching all these uh, rockumentaries on Netflix. Yep, and I just I love them. I can't get enough. Of it. I just saw the Bachman one, the Randy Bachman one. It was so good. Oh, yeah. you know all those. I mean, I had yeah. no idea that he converted to Mormonism because of his wife, and because he was such a straight laced guy, he got at odds with the guys in the Guess Who, and. um and then he got his life back together. And then the woman that he converted to Mormonism for left him. You know, these. <laughs> I love, you know, hearing about the journeys of some of these guys. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is that is fantastic. And another, you know, from like the R&B side, if you've ever seen the Unsung series that they put together on VH1 years ago, it's just fantastic. And it seems like all of these stories, Tim, they go the same. Okay, they're they're one hour, especially in the Unsung series. And it's like, okay, you take these these groups and they came together and they were neighborhood guys, fought their way to get a record deal. They had a hit. They had a couple follow up hits, and then all of a sudden they went to drugs. They went to alcohol. They yeah. broke up. <laughs> they're done. And all of a sudden now they're. You know, in in, in twenty twenty two, there's a reunion yeah. tour with them again. There it is. Every episode's the same. Well, you know, the funny thing. <laughs> and here's the reason for that: because the record companies 
had them on the road all the time. Yeah. I mean, they and so whatever relationship that was going to stabilize their lives, they weren't going to be home long enough to even have a relationship. You know, now uh, the record companies are sort of a thing of the past. You have a big hit and uh, you produce it yourself. You don't have to go to some studio. You know, you become a you become a, an internet sensation. And the hell with the record companies, you know. And and if you if you can sell enough records, you don't have to go on tour. You know, you could. That was one of the reasons why um, uh, Steely Dan uh, managed to have a long and enduring studio career. They wouldn't go on the road. That's right. So the Do- yeah. Doobies would keep taking guys away from them. Like, hey, Jeff Scott Baxter, come over here. We need you. You know. So I remember that well. And I saw them, you know, they were like nine, 10 years older than me. And I was 20, 21. And these guys are like 30, 31, 32 going hard. I mean, hard back in the 70s. You know, what's so. funny is it, it, you, you talk about that because I saw Steely Dan here in Vegas. It was like right before the pandemic. And honestly, I was a little bit disappointed because I like you love their music. But they just yeah. weren't that good live, and then of They're course not, they were never good live. Yeah. There were studio bands. Yeah. yeah, they were, and and none of them liked to go on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just didn't. But they made great. You know, my God, I can't watch the movie FM and not think about right. You know, Steely Dan. Yeah. Anyway, I once I once was the uh, played the role of Martin Mull in, in the movie FM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. In my former life. I was Martin Mull's character in FM, and you guys, you guys had the similar haircut as well, too. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, like him, I would be bald now too, but I had enough surgeries to save my. Yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Brando joins us, not Tim Brandon, the uh, the uh, the music icon, yeah. the DJ icon from K Rock back in yeah. the day, Shreveport, Louisiana. No. Tim Brando, Fox Sports, my man. All right, so you were at the Rose Bowl last week. Uh, I was a little envious, even though I did get a chance to Utah in the Rose Bowl on January 1st or whatever it was. I can't even remember if it was actually the New Year's Day because they the way they messed that up anymore. But, man, uh, I love the Rose Bowl. And that game against uh, Ohio State where they actually were beating them down and Ohio State came back to win, well, I I even did that in my handicapping of this game, Tim. I said, well, the last time that Utah played in the Rose Bowl, it'll be a much different environment because it'll probably be half full this time playing the Bruins, you know, on, in their home stadium. And we know that Utah had just drill pressed UCLA the last five years. And I figured, okay, they're going to get him again. I wasn't believing all the hype with UCLA, but you called the game. And sure enough, UCLA wins the game 42-32. You saw, my friend, combine 981 yards. You saw Utah garnish 31 first downs, but they lose by 10. Tell me, what happened? And it actually should have been 17. A pick six was the last touchdown. Right. Uh, only mistake, really, that Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, made. And the stadium was about half full, but I will tell you, it was active. And and it was half full because a lot of those seats are taken. They've got tarps with UCLA on it. If it's a full house now at the uh, at the Rose Bowl for a regular season game, it would be about, oh, say, 53,000, 54,000. I'd say about 40, uh, maybe excess of 40,000 uh, were there. But they were active. And the UCLA crowd was very active. I was a little surprised that Utah didn't have more fans. I guess um, maybe they felt like they didn't really need to worry about UCLA so much, and they were gearing up for the trip to SC. 
you know, the, 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 the trip home when they play SC coming up and, uh, and what a, maybe another road trip later on uh, before the season's out. They weren't too worried about UCLA. Maybe thought they were a bit of a, you know, 5-0 and fraud, but they were anything but. And Chip Kelly has really got this team rolling. And, and DTR, who now, not only does he have a good NIL deal, uh, it almost feels like he's been there long enough to start collecting pension, too. Right. You know, he's been the quarterback now for almost a half dozen years. And he, and he came out of Vegas, you know. He played here at Bishop Gordon. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, he's, um, he's really matured, and I think he's one of the best. I mean, if Hendon Hooker is a Heisman candidate, then I think that you got to say Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a Heisman candidate. Uh, now, Hendon Hooker gets to play Alabama this week, but UCLA gets to play Oregon after a bye week next week. And if, if UCLA can go into the SC game undefeated and SC can do the same thing, uh, how big of a stage is that going to be? Oh, man. The USC-UCLA game in late November. So, you know, if DT, if, if Hendon Hooker is a Heisman candidate, then in my mind, so is DTR. Uh, I mean, uh, the, the uh, transfer from Duke, uh, Bobo, the wide receiver, is incredible. Uh, you add him to Zach Charbonnet, uh, and then the, the rest of the, the UCLA receivers, you know, are all good. Cashmere Allen is a uh, explosive, dynamic kick, a kick returner that can take it, you know, the, to the house every time he touches it. And, and plus, uh, the, he, the best first name in all of college football, too. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah, Come on. You got to love yeah, saying he, that. <laughs> but uh, the Bruins and, and the Ducks, uh, a week from Saturday, matter of fact, I, I, we may be doing that game. Spencer and I are on a six-day hold along with Jason Benetti and, uh, and Brock Heward. And the two games that are in play for us uh, are TCU, which is also a juggernaut, an offensive juggernaut. Uh, Max Duggan just lit it up at Kansas. And Kansas, by the way, I thought acquitted themselves beautifully in that game, even though they lost. And to play with a backup quarterback who throws four touchdown passes to keep you in a game, my God, that's legit. Um, so that was a great game, too, that we had over on FS1 uh, this past weekend. But we're on a six-day hold, and we'll either fly to Oregon on the 22nd for the game with UCLA, or we will be in uh, Fort Worth for um, – for TCU on on the twenty second, so we're, we're just waiting to find out. There, there's a lot of intriguing storylines to this college football season, uh, TC. There really are, yeah. and, I, and I think I think UCLA is one of them. And people were able to throw dirt on their schedule, you know, when they had that four zero start. Who they played, you know, Bowling Green almost lost to South Alabama with about eighteen hundred people in the stands. They got a lot of dirt thrown on, on them for that. When they beat Washington, and they beat Washington soundly a week ago Friday, uh, I think a lot of people thought Washington was better than them. And certainly everybody knew that Utah, on paper, was better than them. And uh, it was a great game. Uh, a couple of interceptions were big for UCLA, but their offense was just more dynamic. Uh, and the bend-but-don't-break defense of UCLA's was very stingy in the red zone. Bill McGovern, the new uh, coordinator of defense, uh, who came over uh, from the NFL, has really, I really, really think, helped this UCLA defense quite a bit. They've got good pass rushers. 
They have ball hawks in their secondary. Yeah, they're going to give up a lot of yards, but a lot of people do in today's game. Uh, you add that to a really dynamic Chip Kelly offense, and they're a dangerous football team for anybody that they play. And like you, I thought Utah had the potential after that um, that loss in the swamp to Florida. It was week one, so we gave we gave Utah a break. I did. I'm, yeah. I'm, I know you did, too. Uh, I was bullish on them in the offseason. I almost put them in the fourth position in my preseason poll, and both both Baylor and Utah, I thought, had the opportunities to, 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 to get that far. But now they've each lost a couple of times and shows you how fragile uh, college football is in terms of uh, how much parity exists. I'm not even sure now, after watching the way Alabama underperformed against A&M, and, and Georgia, too, has, has underperformed. The only team that's been, been capable of not playing down to the level of competition that they play from week to week is Ohio State. Right. But Ohio State hasn't played a tough road game yet. Right. You know, they've played all their games at home, and uh, pretty soon when, when, when they finally play a tough road game, um, maybe it'll be different. But right now I've got Ohio State number one only because neither Bama or Georgia have proven that they can play beyond the level of their competition. You know, they, they played down. Uh, to those levels, which means either they're not focused enough or we're giving them credit for being too talented. You know, Bryce Young is out, and they got the the freshman Monroe playing quarterback. Now, they say Alabama will have Bryce Young back to this game with Tennessee. They better because Hooker is a great quarterback, and that Tennessee team on both sides of the ball is really playing outstanding uh, football. So, I had Tennessee on upset alert in Baton Rouge last week. And well, you saw what happened yep. there. Right. So this thing's in Knoxville coming up this week. So, you know, I think there's a hell of a chance that Tennessee could, could knock Alabama off. I really do. And I wanted to ask you about Tennessee. I mean, are they for real? I mean, that, yeah. that's the question because, again, this program has really flipped the switch. And I know that there was a buzz in Knoxville coming out, okay, this this team can be pretty good. But we've heard that before. But, uh, again, yeah. like you said, they go into Bayou Bengal country. And I thought – I said this last week, Tim. I go, you know what? This game is an 11 a.m. start at LSU. Yeah. And I go, that's – that's not going to be advantage LSU in this game, but I didn't think it would end up forty to thirteen the way it did. Well, but it does set up. I don't like, think whether it had been. Yeah, I, I don't think LSU would have won the game even right. if it had been played at seven o'clock. Now, uh, you know, fumbling the opening kickoff, you know, just muffing it there and allowing Tennessee a chip shot touchdown, and really an, another pick that led to three more right after that. I mean, LSU was down ten egg before you could get your first drink in Tiger Stadium. So that was part of their problem. But um, And LSU's a, a work in progress. It's Brian's first year. Uh, I think they can still have a, a nice representative 7-5 and five or 8-4 and four season. I think that, that's probably where they're going to find their ceiling. But Tennessee, you know, defensively impressed me, okay? And offensively, uh, Hooker's got a lot of great receivers to work with. There's no doubt about that. And uh, Alabama has not been stressed. I mean, A and M was playing their third string quarterback, you know, and <laughs> and they still managed to have the ball at the two yard line uh, with the game on the line. They could have won the game. Uh, Alabama also got a huge break. Uh, the officials and the scorekeeper 
you know, managed to let the clock run an additional three seconds after the interception, uh, which, by the way, was uh, a pass interference penalty. Kid's knee hit the, the, the end zone after he made the interception. The flag was thrown at six seconds, and three more seconds went off the clock. Now, I believe they could have had a second play. Uh, but, but when it's Alabama, you're, you're always going to get the benefit of the doubt from the zebras and the people up in the booth. I mean, that, that, not much is being said about that today, especially, especially on, uh, uh, let's just say, the, 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 the media outlets that preserve the Southeastern Conference. Okay, but facts are facts. Look at the video, and you'll see that Alabama uh, was given not only a huge break, um, but a bigger break by letting the clock go tick, tick, tick three more times after a a pass interference penalty was called. Tim, do me a favor and do not use the word egg and drink in the same sentence again, because I'm just, I'm just, you made me think of Rocky Balboa. I mean, you know, in training, I mean, I still can't get over that. You got to cut my eye, Mick. You got to cut my eye. Cut me, Mick. There it is. Timmy B, my man, he is going to be on the call this week. He's going to East Lansing as Michigan State, Sparty hosting Badger uh, against Wisconsin. So uh, get a little Big Ten uh, a little bit different vibe. uh, The reason Jim Leonard got that job was because they wanted to salvage the Big Ten West. And if Wisconsin gets hot and turns it around, and Jim Leonard earns the job, and I think that's why they let Paul Chris go. Yeah. They knew the NFL was going to be knocking on his door and probably a few other colleges, and Barry Alvarez wants Leonard to be the head coach. Uh, then then they get, they start getting well now. And Mel Tucker, I know he's already cashing those checks, but my goodness, <laughs> you don't want to be a you don't want to be a one hit wonder. So it's a big game for for Mel too. <laughs> and uh, and now all the coaches that are supposedly uh, looking at seasons that are less desirable than they thought are probably going, oh, my God, why did Matt Rule have to get fired today? How in the hell could that happen? Because now Matt Rule becomes, I think, the number one. Yeah, uh, he's a candidate. He's, he's the number one choice, number one candidate for every job uh, that comes available. With a $40 million buyout, wouldn't you just take a few few years off? I would. At least. $40 At least. Million. $40 million he gets. Insane. Insane in the membrane. <laughs> All right, we'll bring it. We'll close it with music since we we brought it up with music and Timmy B with a beautiful segue as he just said about thirty eight seconds ago. One hit wonders. All right, Timmy, give us give us your best one hit wonder. Go. My best one hit wonder. Yeah. My best one hit wonder. Oh my god! And there's tons of them. I know. I caught you off guard. I don't know. Oh man, my best my best one hit wonder. Um. Would would Brandy, you're a fine girl. Looking glass, sure, why not? Looking glass, how about that? That's a good one. Brandy, that's good. You're a fine girl. What a good life it would be. But the first leaves the party. Harry Tim Brando sing Brandy over the Rocky theme is it does not fit, Numchuck. It does not fit. That's it. I think looking glass. I think looking glass is the call. Yes. Uh, Maybe for football, we'll go Ides of March. Oh, oh, yes! Every every band, every high school band in America <laughs> had to um, had to know that song. They did, right? or, or the horse. They always played the horse too. And, you know, <laughs> it was like.
What, what, what is the horse? I actually heard that on, on, a, on an oldie uh, stage. Uh, yeah, yeah. They play. That's that, 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 yeah. oh, oh, screw it. Let's just go DJ here for the best one-hit wonder. Rick Dees and uh, the Disco Duck. Oh, see, now that, that's off the charts right there. How about Apollo 100? Do you remember Apollo 100? Yeah, oh, my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever the name of that is. Oh, and Blue's Image. Yeah. Got to go Blue's oh, Image. Outstanding stuff there. There it is. Blue's I'm going to yeah. go, go Steeler's Wheel. That's what I'm going to go. Numbchat, can we please go out with Stuck in the Middle doesn't with you? That also count, doesn't that also count as a Jerry Rafferty hit, though, too? Ooh, that's good. You're, yeah, that might be in violation. You're right. Very, Jerry Rafferty was singing lead for Steeler's Wheel. Before Baker Street. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. And by the way, right down the line was also a hit for Jerry. <laughs> that, that is true. Right on down the line. That is. Oh my goodness! There it is. And, and plus, we we cannot play this song without thinking of the iconic scene in Reservoir Dogs. Timmy B. That's it. Do you remember that Michael Madsen cutting off the ear? You gotta love it. <laughs> and if you haven't seen that one in a while, you just go back where. You, they, they, they turn on the radio there, and you got the DJ, Quentin Terry, go, yeah, this is K-Billy. We play all the super sounds of the 70s. Here's Steeler's Wheel, stuck oh, in the middle with you. <laughs> we could do this all day, man. We could. Yes, we could. Like- they ought to hire, hire us on a 70s on 7 show. That's it. This, get your get your agent on that, would you? Come on, man. You got a you got a lot of clout over there. We would be more must here than those re-airs of Casey Casey. This, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Enjoy your trip to Spartyville. Always appreciate you, man. We'll catch up in a couple weeks, hopefully. Don't ever change, but if you do, don't let your producer watch. There it is. <laughs> That's Murph and the Magic Tones and the Blues Brothers. All right, we're gonna take a quick little break. Don't go changing. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy Thank B, you, love you, brother. Right. Tim Brando, the best. Oh, yeah, by the way, he calls college football and basketball as well, too. Not just a one-hit wonder, but the hits keep on coming on a magnificent Monday. <laughs>